Hello. We are excited that you have decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku under the Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street, Bergaw, North Carolina, 28425, every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like to give a donation, you can go to our website and click the donation button at www.mtdm.org. With the fourth chapter, and I'll be reading verse 13 through verse 18. First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verse 13 through verse 18. I'm reading out the New King James Version. And we want to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say unto his people today. Amen? So we want to focus on his word. We want to pay attention. The word of God now reads, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, God would bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be changed, caught up together, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You may be seated. I want to talk about, are you ready? The Lord has been laying this on my heart about being ready. When you're ready, you prepared. And you're not getting ready. You prepared for whatever will come. So we don't want to get ready. We want to be ready. So God want his church to be ready, not to be running around like a chicken with our heads cut off, but knowing that we're ready for the coming of the Lord. And I believe that some of us believe, <clears throat> believe that we are ready, but we have yet to get our houses in order. And God want our houses in order. As you look around, you see people, you know, portraying Christ. Portraying like they know him. But if you know him, you're going to live like him. You're going to do what he does. You're not going to do opposite. You're not going to do like the world does, but you're going to do like he does. Do we at time um, fall? Yes, we all do. But when you truly have him in your heart and you truly have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you may fall, but you're going to rise up. Because you know who you are. Anytime you're doing something outside of him, your heart is going to convict you. Your heart is going to let you know you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have been there. Your heart will let you know. You have a conviction. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit will convict you with righteousness. You won't be able to lay down and sleep with things on your heart that's not right before God. 
because you don't know the coming of the Lord. This is serious. And when the Lord put it on my heart, I tell you, it was so much grief because you can look around on television. You can look around at people around you that saying, Lord, Lord, but actually they don't really know him. We, and I'm just going to say this. We have churches filled with hypocrites. People probably mad and it, it don't make me no never mind. We come into the house of God to fellowship. We come into the house of God because we're lifting one another up. We're strengthening one another for the tasks ahead, for what we have to face in the world today, for the evil that's present. So when you come into the house of the Lord, you get in the word of God to quicken you, to bring life to you. So when you go back out into this dying world, God has given you him. He is his word, y'all. So it's time for the church to quit playing church. It's time for the church to quit being loose. It's time for the church to either you're going to do what God says do or you're not. We can't be scrabbling the fence. We can't have one one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. Either you're going to be on the narrow road or you're going to be on the wide road. I get so tired of people telling people it's okay to live this way and be with Jesus. No, it's not. It's not okay. And don't think that I don't make mistakes. Don't think that none of us make mistakes. But when we make those mistakes, we want to turn from those mistakes. We want to turn from what's wrong to turn to what's right. We want to turn from sin and turn to God. That's what true repentance means. True repentance means I don't have, if I got it in my heart, I want to get it out of my heart because that's not who my father is. As I was sitting there talking to the father one day, did y'all know you can talk to him? I mean, when you talk to him, he'll talk to you. And as I was talking to the father, the father was, when he reveals his heart, I said, father, I'm understanding how much you hurt because I know I hurt. When my children are going through, I hurt along with them. When my children need something and it seems as if I can't get it for them, which I know God can, but it hurts me. I don't know about you. When your children are sick, you hurt because they're sick. When your children don't have things, you hurt. Anything that go on with your children, you hurt. When somebody's coming against your children, you hurt for your children. So I say, God, I understand now that you want us to have the very best and you gave it to us. And that's how much you love us. Because the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And those who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So God gave us his very best. He gave us his one and only son and we were in our mess, but he loved us beyond us. That's what unconditional love is. And then it said he proved his love. He commended his love for us when we were yet sinners. The Bible said he still laid down his life for us. I don't know about you. Even when my children are wrong, I still lay down my life for them because I love them so much. And I don't want them to be in wrong. I want the best for them. So when they in the wrong, it hurts. So imagine the father, y'all. 
when we supposed to be just like he is because we are from him. Imagine him when we're doing stuff outside of him. He's hurting because he said, those are my children. Those are the ones I died for. Those are the ones I love. But he said, guess what, baby? I fixed it for you. He said, even if you sin, your past, your present, and your future sins. He said, guess what? I'm going to lay down my life for all of it. He said, because I know you can't keep everything the way you need to keep it. He said, so I'm going to fix it for you. That's love. That's unconditional love that God has for us. So when I began to talk to God and God said, that's what love does. Love loves in spite of what people do. But does it hurt God? Yes, it hurts God. Because God knows what he done. And some of us are not accepting what he has done. Because some of us refuse to accept it. Because we love what the world does. More than we love what the Father has already done. And this is why he put it more and more on my heart. He said, teach on the rapture. And the tribulation. Because see, some people take this stuff to play with. But this is for real, folk. And this is what was happening in the book dealing with the Thessalonians. Paul was coming in to comfort them. They were Christians. They were new to their faith. And this is what Paul said in 13. He said, but I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorant mean not knowing, uninformed. So sometime in the body of Christ, we can be ignorant. We cannot know. We can be uninformed. And why are we ignorant, not knowing and uninformed? The reason being is some of us don't really want to know. Because the Bible says, when you know the truth, when you know the truth, that's when you're free. Some of us don't want to know the truth because when truth is presented, the life of God is um, presented and then there's a quickening there. So Paul said, I'm going to bring you the truth because I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. So this is what I'm doing today. I don't want people to be ignorant or acting like you ignorant. You know, but you refuse to accept what God is saying because I don't want nobody to die in their sins. Do y'all hear me? I don't want nobody. This is why I teach as hard as I do and preach as hard as I do and am hated for what I'm preaching and teaching because this is the love of God that's in me. If I don't have a friend in this world, like my dead grandfather would say, I'm going to do what the Lord will have for me to do. And this is why some of you walk alone. Your family going to hate you. Don't you know what the word of God says? Mother against daughter, daughter against mother, father against son, son against father, sister against brother. Get it in your head. People are not going to like you when you're bringing the truth. That just shows where your family is. People are going to despise you when you bring the truth. But the problem is we rather have friends than to have God. If you read through the New Testament, if you read through the whole Bible, you can see the ones that really connected with him. They were disconnected from everybody and everything else. Some of us don't want to disconnect because we think. 
think that's what it is. But I got news for you. That's not what it is. So he said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. So Paul said, I want you to grasp. I want you to understand what's happening to your loved ones when they die. Some of us are still grieving over loved ones because we're ignorant. I said it. You don't know. That's what that means. Not buying offense. That means you're ignorant. You're uninformed. You don't know. He was letting them know. Let me tell you what happens to your loved ones when they fall asleep. See, when they fall asleep, they're absent from the body. But glory be to God, they are present with the Lord. The moment that a believer dies, you see the body in the casting. It's just a shell. But they are present with the Lord. If they're born again, if they're saved, if they have accepted Jesus, I'm not saying not to grieve. But I'm saying when you know where they are, we're supposed to be rejoicing at funerals. We don't suppose it. We're supposed to have sorrow. Don't get me wrong. But we're supposed to rejoice because we know that the loved one has gone to be with the Lord. They're absent from the body. But they are present with the Lord. But you know the reason why we stay in so much sorrow and so much pain. Because when you connect with your husband, with your wife, with your children, with your family, when you make a connection with them, you know they're not going to be here no more. What am I going to do without him? That lets us know where we are. That lets us know where we are. But if we take the time to talk about this, to talk about they're going to be absent from the body, but they're going to be present with the Lord. So he's telling them, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Just like when Jesus was on the cross and when he was on that cross, he had three, he had what, two thieves or three, three thieves, two by him. And they were saying, if you are who you say you are, basically you can get all of us off this, off this uh, cross. We don't have to go through this torture. But then another one was saying, basically, you don't fear the Lord. You don't have no fear of God. So on that cross, he repented. And when he repented, he told Jesus to remember me. And Jesus said, this day, I shall remember you where? In paradise. So his spirit went to be with the Lord immediately. So he may have been absent from that body. And you may have seen a body on that cross. But he was already comforted. He was already with the Lord. So they were concerned. But Paul had to break it down to them. And that's what I'm doing today because I feel that the majority of us, we are scared to die. Because we don't want to leave this world. Because we feel like I haven't done what I need to do. I haven't accomplished what I need to accomplish. What we need to be concerned about is where you're going to be when you leave here. That's need to be your concern. You don't need to be concerned about, oh Lord, I ain't done this. I ain't got my car. I ain't got my house. I ain't got my man. I ain't got my woman. I ain't got this and I ain't got that. But do you have Jesus? That got to be your biggest concern. Not what this world can give you. He has come to give you eternal life. A life that keeps going and going even when you're dead. So this must be our concern. So Paul was informing them. 
so they would know, so they wouldn't be ignorant. And then Paul goes on to say, he said, until the coming of the Lord. Okay, listen at this part, 16. Well, I'm going too fast. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God would bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, when we look in the word of God, what we got to understand is we got to have hope. And what it means is when we're waiting for the coming of the Lord, we have hope. Even though we yet don't see him naturally, we have hope for what we don't see. We hope for what we don't see. We're hoping and that hoping is comforting us, not only dealing with us, but our loved ones, the ones that have died before us. And I know that some of us say, I want to be caught up. I, I want to be caught up and I want to meet the Lord. Whether you die before you caught up, you got to be ready. Whether you die before you caught up, you still got to be ready. We have to be ready for the coming of the Lord. When we look at having hope, the Bible says with Abraham against hope, he believed in hope that he would become the father of many nations. How could it look like it was against hope? It looked like it wasn't possible, but the Bible says that God will take the impossible and he will make it possible only if we believe. So what um, Abraham did, he grabbed hold to the faith that he had in God. And that's what helped him to have hope. Because the Bible said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Your faith helps you to stay in hope. Your faith that you have in him helps you to stay in hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when you get what you have desired, it's like a tree of life. So when you hoping that, okay, I have faith in his return. I know he's coming back for me. See, if we put our focus more on him coming back and what we're going to have when we're caught up. See, we wouldn't be worried about what we don't have down here. Because he's already given us everything that we need. So we have to keep the hope while we're still here. That blessed hope helps us to continue to do what we need to do until his return. God showed me even dealing with, y'all remember David? David, he messed up with Bathsheba. And he did what he know he should not have done. And he realized what he done when the prophet came to him. Now this is just odd to me and it's happening today within the church sometimes we do stuff we don't recognize we just do it and we get satisfied with what we do first of all David knew that he should not have killed Uriah he know, knew that murder was against God right but this is what he did he killed Uriah because he done something that he should not have done with Uriah's wife. He slept with a married woman. He knew that was against God, so David tried to fix it. How many of us in this room messed up and tried to fix our mess up with another mess up? Because sin lies at the door, people, and it waits on you. So when you let sin in, whether it's a lie, you're going to let murder in. Because they're saying they got them backed up. If I can get through the door, I'm going to bring you in with me. I want y'all to catch hold of this. 
David was a king. David was the one that loved the Lord with all his heart. But one day David saw a woman. Somebody saw a woman. Sometimes you men think you got it together. Until you do something that you don't supposed to do. David saw Bathsheba. He saw her on the roof, but David was out of position. David should have went to battle. But David chose to stay home, and that looked innocent, didn't it? But he was the king, and he was the one that's supposed to be in the forefront of the battle, leading the people. But David said, you know what? I'm going to take a day off. I deserve a day off. How many of us say, I'm going to take a day off from church. I deserve a day off. I work five days a week, sometimes six. I don't have to be in the house of the Lord. And men, look, knock, knock. Who's there? A woman. Come in a bar, a cup of sugar. And you the sugar because you wasn't in church. So David went on the roof. See, he's king. He went on that roof. He saw Bathsheba and she caught his eye. She was bathing. So we know she was naked. So his eyes popped out of his head and went slam over there where she was. And he got a good picture and he went back to where he was. But the picture was still etchy sketched. Y'all know an etchy sketch when you draw out what you seen. So David went back and he said, I want to find out who that woman is. He found out that that woman belonged to somebody, but it still didn't take away the sketch that was in his mind of what he saw. Because David had a lusting right then. He had a desire right then for that very woman that he knew was married. So David, instead of saying, no, 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 I can't have her. She belonged to somebody else. Go get her and bring her to me. See, that's that authority, that kingship. Bathsheba came. He lay with Bathsheba. Bathsheba pops up pregnant. So David said, "Uh uh-oh, I done let adultery in. I done let what else in? Lust in. So, uh uh-oh, now I got to create a lie. So bring me the husband. Got the husband drunk, did what he can do, telling the husband, go home to your wife. But the husband, even in his drunkenness, this is what I like, he remained faithful. Y'all don't get it. He was faithful to his king. He said, all the others are out there in battle. I cannot go home to my wife when I need to be where they are. He laid there all night and David still couldn't get rid of him. In his drunken state. David wanted him to go home and lie with his wife and say the baby was his and not David's. Come on, somebody. How many of us? Come on, it got to be some lies in this room. God ain't bringing all this out verbatim. God is helping somebody. One lie after another lie and you still think you innocent and then boom. It blows up in your face. Because you didn't take the time to honor God. When it was brought to you in the beginning and you had a choice. So what did David do? He laid with her and then he said, okay, he won't do like I want him to do. I want you to make sure he get killed, murder. He got killed. So guess what David said? I'm going to be the man and the king that I am. I'm going to marry his wife. I'm going to marry Bathsheba. 
He married her because he wanted them to think he was just an innocent man. But this is what happened. This is where I'm going to. Nathan, the prophet, came in and told David, basically in a parable. David said, who is that man? Nathan said, you are that man. And the first thing that David said that I love, that the majority of us don't say, woe is me. We tried to blame it on somebody else. Well, if that woman had to come to my house and borrow that cup of sugar, she should have stayed home. This wouldn't happen. Well, if she hadn't have bent down in front of me and stayed down there that long. Well, if she hadn't, uh, if you hadn't talked to me the way she talked to me and listened to me, it wouldn't have happened. God is talking to somebody. You don't take the time to listen to me. You don't hear what I'm saying. You know. You know, don't be ignorant of Satan devices. He got to have a body. He can't just come in there any kind of way. He got to have some sexiness. He got to show you something that your wife don't look like no more. As they say, what love got to do with it? So David, this is what happened. God told David what was going to go through his whole house. Y'all don't understand when you mess up, you don't only hurt you, but you hurt your whole house because it goes through the whole, I'm going to say it again. It goes through the whole house. Mothers and fathers, if the fathers mess up, it's going to run through the house. If the mother mess up, it's going to run through the house. The kid's going to catch your mistakes. So David, he apologized. He said, I ain't sinned against man. I sinned against God. He recognized it. That's why he was a man after God's heart. What did I say in the beginning? All of us mess up. But when we mess up, we got to recognize our mess ups and we got to get it right with the help of the Holy Ghost. It's no perfect person in here except in your spirit. So when we mess up, we get it right before everything else gang up on us. So this is what happened. God told him what was going to happen. Your son is not going to live. Your son is going to die. So what did David do? He fasted. He didn't eat. They tried to get him to eat. He would not eat. But when David found out his son died, David got up. He acted normal. He ate and said, we don't understand. And listen what David said. And he said in 2 Samuel 12, 22 and 23, And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. See, David was comforted. Why? Because he knew one day we're going to meet again. So that's where David found his comfort. So God don't want us to be ignorant today. He want us to be informed. He want us to know when our loved ones die in Christ, when they die in Christ, we will meet again. Now, you will meet them again if you're truly born again. 
if you truly have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. When we go back, when a person dies, their body is a shell. Now, there it, when he said, uh, I'll go back to Lazarus. Remember Lazarus when he died? And Jesus said, Lazarus is asleep. The disciple says, let us go and wake him up. Jesus knew the sleep that he was in was a sleep of death, but they didn't understand that. But Jesus knew that he could resurrect him. So they didn't understand that language. So Jesus just said, he's dead. Because <laughs> he already knew when a person is asleep, they're in comfort. They're there to be with the Lord. Let me give you another one. Did y'all remember Lazarus? Luke 16, the beggar. It was Lazarus and it was a rich man in Luke 16. And Lazarus went to that rich man to get food from him. He wouldn't give it to him. He wouldn't even give him crumbs from the table. So Lazarus died. The rich man died. When the rich man looked up, the rich man saw Lazarus from afar off. But the rich man and Lazarus was in two different places. Lazarus, when he looked up, was in Abraham's bosom. He was being comforted. That means paradise, y'all. So when Jesus was given that parable, he was letting you know where the spirit of that person would be. They would be in comfort. They would be in rest until it's time for that trumpet. Y'all hear what I'm saying? They were in rest. But the man that died, he did not accept Jesus. He was not saved. So he was in torment. And he was saying, come on now, Abraham, let Lazarus come to me and just take the tip of his finger and wet it and just put it on my tongue. He was in torment. Hell is where you in torment, where the maggots and the worms don't die. Now, people tell people this. We talk about grace, the grace card all the time. But sometimes you got to pull out that hell card. Because some people don't believe there's a hell. There is a hell. And when you go to hell, you don't get no comfort. You burn forever and your whole life go before you just like this man. His whole life went before him. He said, bring him over here. And Abraham said, no, there's a gulf. You can't come to him. He can't come to you. And then he said, I tell you what, send him back to my brothers. I don't want my brothers to go here. He said, if he, if they did not hear the prophets. Moses and the prophets, they ain't going to hear no dead man. It was over for that man. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? This is no game. This and people playing games all day long. They're thinking, I can sleep around. I can get around. I can act a fool in church and mock God and still meet him in the air. The devil is a liar. You cannot live any kind of way. Somebody got to tell the truth. I don't want to see my loved ones in hell. I am tired of people putting people in heaven and the life they live don't reflect. Everybody going to heaven and just mm, people dying in people beds that don't belong to them. Oh, they're going to meet Jesus. We got to understand. The truth need to be told. And if you love your loved ones, you don't agree with what they're doing. 
You don't agree with Adam and Steve. You don't invite Adam and Steve to your house. When you love Adam and Steve, you tell them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we don't have to live. He took care of this. But we get so in tune with what the world is doing, we don't want to hear what God has to say no more. Anytime a person bring up God, people begin to shake their, oh, here they come, oh, holy than thou. Want to tell somebody how to live, they act like they more holy than anybody else. Look, I don't want nobody to burn. Because if you got God in you, if you got the love of God in you, you don't want nobody to burn either. You want to tell them the truth. And nothing but the truth. So we see that he could not go where Lazarus was. And Lazarus could not go where he was. I'm back to the point of where I was talking about when Paul was giving them comfort about their dead loved ones. Paul was saying, it's okay for you to cry. But after a while, those tears should dry up. Because you, if you know that your loved one died in Jesus, you're going to meet them again. That's the joy you get. That one day you're going to have a family reunion. You're going to meet them again. But what the enemy want us to do, he want us to be so depressed. He want us to hate God and say, God, why did you take him? Why did you do this? When we understand the word of God, when we understand, yes, we hurt. Lord knows we hurt. When someone died, but we have to comfort ourselves before these times come because we're not going to be here forever. None of us are going to be here forever. But if we comfort ourselves before this happened, we may shed tears. In the Old Testament, they had 30 days. After 30 days, that morning had to stop. They had to move on. 30 days, that was it. So then the Lord began to show me. We talked about David. David had to get up. Now, with some people in Leviticus, they were putting tattoos of their loved ones on them to keep themselves in memory of their loved ones. And he said, no, you don't do that. You don't tattoo your... That's another subject. The word is the word. The word don't change. You... mm. If you're in the word, you're going to live what the word say live. And it ain't hard. The way of a transgressor is hard. The Holy Spirit is there to help you in all things to testify to the truth. So we go back. We talked about to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. This is what happened with Stephen. When Stephen was telling them the truth, they got so mad. They were stoning Stephen. And at the end, he said, Stephen was calling on the Lord and said, Lord, receive my spirit. Because that body was there. But Stephen was already being comforted with the Lord. That's Acts 7. And then John 14, 3, Jesus is saying, and I will go and prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus went to prepare a place. So I had to deal with that first part of that scripture. All of us supposed to be comforted with the words that's coming from the word of life. Letting us know that if our loved ones die in the Lord, we will meet them again. Then we go back 
to this other verse, 15. For this is, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain, listen at this, and we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. That means the dead bodies that's in the ground that are born again, they're going to rise up before us. The dead in Christ is going to rise first. That means that that body is going to get a glorified body. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. That body is going to get a glorified body. And we're going to be caught up with them, meeting him in the air, have a glorified body. We're going to have a body that's acceptable for heaven. And this body that we have, the word of God tells us flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. That means you cannot go up there in an earth suit, an earthly body. It got to be a glorified body. That's why that, the verse says flesh and blood. Because the bodies are going to be changed. So then it goes on to say, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. The only one going to hear that shout is the born again believers like all of us are sitting here today. The ones that have truly accepted Jesus with your whole heart. You're going to be caught up. The only thing that's going to be sitting here is your clothes and the ones that were hypocrites. I'm going to say it again. When it's time for Jesus to descend, when it's time for him to come back for his church, this is the rapture. The Bible says, for the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That means the ones that have really accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Let me break it down. Just because you go to church don't mean your heart right. Because if your heart is right, you ain't doing the things you used to do. You ain't going to want to do it. You saying no to it. I was watching. God always set me up with some stuff. I was watching this interview. And in this interview, it was last night. I said, God, you always set stuff up in my sermon. They was interviewing this couple. And this man was a pastor, and she was saved. And this is what she was saying. They were both in, in college. They knew each other previously from going to college. So he was a man that slept around all the time. That's just who he was. She was one that said, I'm saving myself for my husband. So this guy, when he first met her, he liked her, but she would not go to bed with him. So he said, now, listen, y'all, he was saved, but he was still sleeping around because he had status when he was in, what is those uh, sororities, whatever you call it, fat frat brothers? Yeah, he was in one of those. So, you know, he had to show himself mighty. He had to show himself strong. He dated two of her girlfriends. But he said, I dated them to get to her. Now, how can you be saved with being manipulative like that? And he admitted it. He said, I was young. I didn't know all this that I know now. But I said I was saved. You know how some people say they get saved at nine and living like a heathen until they, until they really get saved. I've been saved since I was nine years old. And you live like a heathen until you really got saved. 
I was one of those heathens. Because I remember, I'm going to get back to the story, but I remember when I would go to church and I see everybody accepting Jesus and I see them falling out on the floor and it looked so good, it felt so good, the music felt so good. I want what they got. I wasn't hearing the word. I was just seeing what everybody else was doing. So me and my cousin, we got saved every time, every time the door opened to church, we was ready. So one day, being saved got bored to us. So we talked to each other and I said, I want to dance. She said, I want to dance too. We want to do what they're doing. So we went to this preacher and we asked him, we said, look, we want to dance. Can we dance? He said, yeah, you can dance. We said, oh, we can dance. We can dance and still be saved. So he said, yeah, yeah, you can dance. What kind of dances can we do? He said, as a Holy Ghost dance, we want that one. So that day, we weren't saved no more. I'm talking to somebody. But at least we was trying to figure out how we could do both. We were lukewarm. So we didn't play around with it no more. And then I remember we would go into the prayer house. And we had a cousin over there in the prayer house. And he would fall out all the time and act crazy. So we was telling his dad about it. He said, oh, he, he, he just passed, run on by, and nothing wrong with him because he knew. We were playing church. We were hypocrites. We were acting like the people were acting in church, but we didn't know the truth. We got some people in church. This hurts me to my heart. See, me as a pastor, I love my sheep. And if I see my sheep straying off, saying and doing stuff they don't supposed to be doing, I'm supposed to take the hook. See, there's a hook when it comes to sheep and you draw them back in and you begin to talk to them in love. That's not the way of Christ. This is what the words say. Now, if I'm the type of pastor that this let you come up in here and do anything just to get your money, I wouldn't sit up in here. It's about truth. Because when I stand before my father, so you got to understand, y'all, we're going to go through this series. Because you got to understand that there are some crowns you can get when you stand before the father. I want a crown. I want him to say good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of the Lord. See, when you read the word of God, you got to understand what Jesus was saying. And when we understand what he's saying, then we need to live what he's saying. We don't need to do it just out of fear. We need to do it because we love the Lord and we know he loves us. And he wants us to live a life that's well pleasing to him and not to the world. I'd rather please God than to please man. We can't say that we're born again and we're still doing the same thing that we always have done and stronger in that area than we are in Christ. So this couple, getting back to the couple, they tried to contain themselves. She would even go and talk to different people about, you know, don't have sex before marriage because it's going against God's word. Did anybody know that? Some Christians act like they're ignorant to that. Uninformed and don't know. But that's not God's way. God said, wait on your mate. Let me explain why you got to wait on your mate. Because whomever you sleep with, they slept with them. And y'all wondering where all this coming in with why women liking women, who you been sleeping with and they sleeping with all these women. See, we need to understand what's happening. What's go- Nobody want to talk about it. 
They don't even want you to open it up in church. You shouldn't talk about that in church. Have you been in this word? Because if you've been in this word, how can you just act like it's not happening? It's happening. This is for real. The more I get in here and the more I get out of here, I'm going to bring it up in here. Why? Because it's what God wants. It's not about, oh, Lord, am I going to lose any members? If I lose them, I never had them. Because whatever God plant, nobody can uproot. Because you know where you are. You don't run just because the truth is being told. You want to stick around for the truth so you can be made free. You don't run from it. You stick with it. That's when deliverance comes. Some of you about to run right now. Saying, oh Lord, where's she going to go next? She's telling all my business. Who told her that? So we look at how this couple, anyway, they came together. Check this out, y'all. They came together and then they moved in with each other, saying, we can can sustain ourselves. Do you know people are telling people it's okay to stay together unmarried? They already your husband. That's called common law marriage. That's called kingdom of darkness marriage. Because that ain't kingdom of heaven because that don't go on in heaven. Let thy will be done on earth as is it is in heaven. That ain't going on in heaven. That's why Satan got kicked out. Lucifer, not known as Satan, he got kicked out because he wanted to do like he wanted to do in heaven. So we see that they end up coming together, staying together and say, we don't have to be together because we stay together. Guess what? They came together. And... Then they separated. So guess what this couple is doing now? He's a pastor. She's walking alongside of him. They're teaching couples the way that they need to go. Because they went the wrong way. They said things were not open up to us. These day and days and times, people want people to be together. So, you know, it'll be comfortable. It'll be comfortable. No. There's a wide road. And there's a narrow road. That narrow road is the hard road because you're going to go through some things, some difficult things. And the only way, one that can help you to, on that narrow road is, is the Holy Spirit. That wide road is so wide, it's, everybody's on that road and they're thinking that they know Jesus. So today I'm letting people know Jesus is coming. And you got to be ready for his coming. Even believers that are true believers, whatever you got in your heart, you got to get rid of it because you're going to stand before the judgment seat. Now, when we meet him in the air and we're caught up, he's taken us out of this world because there's going to be a tribulation like never before where God's going to pour his wrath down here on earth. Now, this rapture is where they're caught up. That's why Jesus said, I'm going away that I can prepare a place for you now before I um, go any farther I'm going to share this with you y'all know we talk about Jesus death burial and resurrection let me tell you why we talk about it so much because Jesus was the first fruit Jesus died he was buried but he was resurrected we die we're buried and we're resurrected so that's where our hope come from 
Jesus showed us there is hope. You can be comforted. Even when you die and you die in Christ, you die in the Lord and you're buried. That's just your body. But that body is going to be resurrected and it's going to have a glorified body. And you're going to be able to meet me in the air. So Jesus was the first fruit. This is why we say, do you believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection? This is why we say these things. And sometimes people are not telling you what's behind that. What's behind that is Jesus was the first fruit to show us I'm going to die. I'm dying for the sins of the whole world. They're going to bury me, but I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to go be with the father. But while I'm with the father, I'm going to give you some blessed hope. That blessed hope is letting you know if I didn't rise, you're not going to rise. But I rose. That's the difference. So then we go on to understand this. When we're up there with him, we're at the table. And everything down here is toe up from the floor up. Do you know who's left behind? Those who said, Lord, Lord, and did not know him. That's when you go back to Matthew 24. The Bible tells us in there, and we went over Matthew 24, but I want to go over it a little bit again. Matthew twenty four thirty six, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And I hear this in my spirit. Quit, try, quit trying to justify your sin. Quit trying to say it's okay in what I'm doing when you know it's not okay. But as the days of Noah, y'all, we talk about Noah a lot, right? But as the days of Noah were, so also would be the coming of the Son of Man. Listen what they were doing in the days of Noah. It says, for as, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. They were cutting the food. They were living any kind of way. Noah was preaching to them righteousness, but they kept doing like they want to do. What do you see around here? You got preachers preaching righteousness and people still say, hey, let's go over here. Hey, let's go do this. Hey, let's do this, do that and the other. When you're hearing the truth, but you decide to stray away from the truth. And listen at this. And they did not know. Listen at this. Until the flood came. It's not that they were not told. And took them all away. So also will the coming of the son of man be. Listen at this. There will be two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. That, that's what the rapture is. Two people be together. I say husband and wife. One will be taken, the other will be left. Then it says two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Your bag's supposed to be packed even now in this church. You're supposed to say, Lord, every day I'm ready for your coming. This is why you can't hold nothing in your heart. This is why you got to make sure your heart is right before God. That's why the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, confession of the mouth come from your heart. 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. I'm going to say it again. Just because you go to church don't mean you say. Matter of fact, you don't supposed to be in a church. You come in here to get the word. But you can't be a part of the church until you accept Jesus. That's what's wrong. People putting everybody on the road, but they haven't truly confessed Jesus. And that's why you have cancer running through the church. People say, that ain't true. You ain't in your word. I'll take you somewhere. I'm going to take you somewhere to let you understand. Go with me to Acts. I want you to go with me to Acts 1, and I'm going to wrap it up, where they were all on one accord. And Jesus told them to go wait in the upper room so they can be endued with the power from on high. So they were united on one accord. And it says in verse 21, they had to choose men to take the place of Judas Iscariot, right? Because, and Jesus chose Judas. You can be chosen, but you can let the devil come in. So he chose him and it says in 21, therefore of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. So beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. The person who took Judas' place had to have been with them from the time they started to the time that he said, John, until the time he was taken up from us. It couldn't be an unbeliever. Then when you go into chapter 2, and Peter began to preach the truth concerning Jesus, then they began to get the ones that was joined unto them. You have to be born again to be a part of the body of Christ. You cannot have no isms and schisms in the body of Christ. And this is why the church, churches is getting so tore up because you always have somebody in there that ain't right and is making everybody think they're right and going through the church and tearing it up. Things are getting ready to change. We don't do things opposite of the word. That's when you let the devil in. Now there's a difference if a person becomes born again and they're getting into the word of God and their flesh, you know, they're having a a battle between the flesh and the spirit and they're saying, you know, I need help in this area because this is overwhelming me. It's trying to overtake me. God going to put people in their path. He's going to put people in their path to encourage them in the things of the Lord to help them. Why? Because they want help. But if you got somebody that's confessing Christ and still living the same way and telling people I'm saved, the devil is a lie. Because if you're truly confessing him, anything that try to come in that's not him, you don't want it no more. You don't want it because you have tasted and you have seen how good God is. You want to change. You want to drop everything in your life that does not represent Christ. I don't know about y'all, but any little thing that hits me that ain't right, I have to deal with it. Any little thought that ain't right, I got to deal with it. Any little attitude that ain't right, I got to deal with it. 
Why? Because when I stand before the Lord, I don't want him to say, okay, Amanda, you had a bad attitude dealing with your husband. Well, he had one with me too. Why didn't you deal with that attitude? I didn't have to because he made me have that attitude. No, when I stand before him, I want to hear him say, well done. And this is why you have the Holy Spirit. There is no excuse in this room for truly, for people who are truly born again. But if your heart has become hardened in some areas and you become stubborn and you become rebellious, you think you always right and you don't want to humble yourself, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Because that's not God. A person that know the Lord will humble themselves immediately. Yes, they will. When you truly get to know him, you will come into a humbling state. Your lip may be trembling. <laughs> right, Willie? Right, Willie? Amen, Willie? Uh-huh. But you're going to humble yourself. Even being hurt, you're going to humble yourself because you know who you are. So we want to make sure that we're right. And then we go into Matthew 25 with five foolish and five wise versions. This is talking about the coming of the Lord. The five wise was ready. The five foolish was not ready. Both of them went to sleep. But when they woke up, the five foolish got left behind because they didn't have no oil. They were not born again. The oil represent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that seals you. The Holy Spirit seals you on the day of salvation saying you belong to the kingdom of God. You got that sealed on you. Have y'all ever seen how they brand... um Different animals, Jennifer, you know what I'm talking about, they put that brand on them. That's saying that belonged to Jennifer Porter. We got a, we've been uh, branded, the Holy Spirit. So we belong to God. So you got to know who you belong to when you know you belong to him. You don't want to do things opposite to his word. Quit trying to please family. Just because family is doing the electric side and doing the butt and doing all this stuff at these family reunions, you shouldn't be out there doing it. Just because family is having a big party to celebrate graduation or whatever it is, when you see that they're doing stuff with drinking and smoking and cutting the food, I'm out. I ain't bringing my father in this foolishness. Don't be standing in the middle and say, I know who I am. I know. No, you don't, because you're still standing there waiting for a rib. As soon as they cook these ribs, I'm out. I'm hungry. I ain't got no money to go nowhere today. <laughs> the next thing you know, you out there, the cousin come get you. Come on, show me how to do this, cuz. Okay. Oh, I'm, I know I'm talking truth. You can say what you want to say. Me and my husband got invited to some good stuff when he was working. But as soon as they turn on that music, bye. I ain't let nothing into my ear gates and my eye gates. I'm, I got God with me. Then if I'm going to minister to them, well, you were sitting there listening too. I might as well shut up. It's my class reunion. And you doing stuff that the world is doing. Then get behind the pulpit. God, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. 
temple. Ooh, somebody's mad. I want that flesh to get worked up. The truth, it brings life to you. Somebody got to tell you the truth. I don't want you to die in your sin. Lord knows I don't want to do it. So I try to check myself. Some people don't understand your walk when you deep with the Lord. Some people don't understand your language because they're in the flesh. They want to come contradict you. That's because they're in flesh and you're in the spirit. So why are you getting mad because they're coming at you? You don't have to. Don't answer a fool according to his folly or you become a fool. Church, it's time for us to get it right and quit playing. Either you're going to be for him or you're not. You cannot serve two masters. This is just the rapture here, and there's more to this rapture than what I have told you. Because when you get caught up, you're going to be up there in heaven. But that's not your home. See, people talking about heaven. Oh, they're going to heaven. Oh, they're going to heaven. I'm going to meet them. Somebody got to tell you what qualifies you to be in heaven. There are some qualifications here. There's a light. Did anybody read about Jesus when Jesus came to the earth and how Jesus lived? That's how we're supposed to be living. Jesus came in the flesh to show us you can live like I lived in the flesh. If you choose to live that way. You know what they say, turn or burn. So I'm here to tell you today, I'm asking you this question for real. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Because we don't know when he's coming. And we don't know when our time is up here on this earth. Some of us say, I'm going to be raptured up. That's what we want to be. But we can mess up. We don't know. So we have to be ready. For the time and the hour when the Son of Man is coming. And I'm asking this church today. Are you truly ready for the coming of the Lord? Is your heart right? Have you emptied out of yourself the hate, the offense, the grudges, the things that you have and you're holding in your heart against your husband, against your wife, against your family members, against your co-workers? Because that's why he gave you. If anyone have ought. Now, it's one thing to preach on it. But he didn't tell you to get up here and preach on it or teach on it before you go handle it. Well, if I've said, I don't have to go tell him. No, that's not how you handle it. You go to your brother. You go do what your father says. If you spend time with God the way we need to spend time with God... We do what he tell us to do because he's our loving father. When I was raised up and my daddy, my granddaddy, my grandmother, whatever my daddy said, he was my daddy. So I'm going to do like my daddy said. Did I try to be rebellious sometime? Yes, I did. But he was still my daddy. And I know he loved me and I knew he would tell me what was right. And I shared this story before and I believe daddy shared it. And let me tell you how much the uh, love of a father is. You know how when people play numbers, 
a man came to daddy's house with some numbers and I said, oh, I'm going to get me a number. Daddy said, don't come back here no more. (laughs) You know why? He loved me just that much. How much do we love our children? That when we know we're doing wrong and they're in the midst of that wrongness and we ain't doing nothing about it. Something's wrong, y'all. Because I love my children too much to let them be in a mess because I'm in a mess. If I choose to be in a mess, I shouldn't want my children in that mess. Because when you get hold to this word, everything begins to change. And I want to say this. I am not saying you cannot mourn for your loved ones. But you don't take two, three, four years and still be mourning and trying to keep them alive. They are resting. If they're in heaven with him, you should be rejoicing because you know heaven is where they're resting in his arms. So you can rejoice and you can tell them, oh, I have so much joy because I'm going to meet my loved one. But you ain't trying to keep them alive here on earth. They probably said, leave me alone. I'm where I need to be. Are you where you need to be? Get it right with him. Let's do what we're supposed to do. So are you ready, church? Are you ready for the coming? Oh, I'm going to say it again. Paying your tithes. Coming to church. Going to see sick folk. That don't mean you know him. You got more sinners going to see sick folks than you got saints. You got more sinners sharing with people than you got saints. So does that mean that you go into heaven because you do all that those things, your good works ain't taking you there. Your coming to church ain't taking you there. Your name on the roll when it shouldn't be on the roll if you ain't saved ain't taking you there. So we need to get it right, church. We need to do it the way God want us to do it. And I'm doing it today. I love to say, are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Because when we get into the tribulation, I pray. That people's hearts are open to understand what's going to happen in that tribulation. Let me say this again because somebody is contradicting me in this room. Everybody is not perfect except in your spirit. We all fall short at times. But if you are in the Lord, you are not going to keep falling short in that same area. You're going to turn away from that area and you're going to get it right, folk. This is what I'm saying. I'm going to say it again. You ain't found no perfect man except in your spirit. Your spirit is perfect. There is no sin in your spirit. That's where you're born again at. But your soul need work every day. If you're drinking, if you're smoking, if you're cussing, whatever you're doing. If you're in Christ, you ain't going to want that no more. How you know you're really in Christ? Because before you realize it, you ain't doing it no more. Not only with that, but with different sodas. Sometimes gluttony is in our life. We'll quit being uh, gluttony. We'll quit doing that. Why? Because the Bible said gluttony is a sin. So I'm not going to sit here and overindulge myself because it's a buffet. And then keep eating and telling somebody. Now you know you ought to quit sleeping with that woman. And you ought to quit eating this food at this buffet. But you ain't doing it. 
Uh-oh, somebody mad already. God said fornication and adultery is a sin. You need to look at them and say, and gluttony is too, but uh, he forgave us for it all. So we need to quit our mess. Sin is sin, y'all. Homosexuality ain't on the top of the list. Everything that don't meet God's qualification is sin. So quit looking at people one-eyed because you ain't doing it and they doing it. If you lied this morning, you a murderer. Some of us lied this morning. Let somebody ask you for some money. I ain't got it. Liar. You lied. You got it, but you don't want to give it. Come on, we got to get it right, people. I'm learning every day. I'm learning, y'all. And whatever I learn, I want to give it to you. Because that's just how much I love you. Even though I'm hated, it's okay. I love the Lord and I love you. And we should love one another to come to one another. When our brother fall, we should pick him up. But we should pick him up in love and quit talking about one another and say, oh, look at that sister Deborah back there. She thinks she's so safe. I saw you. Instead of going to Sister Deborah. Amen. So ask your neighbor, are you ready? Say, are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Now, those that say, I don't feel like I'm ready. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. You can come. You can come up to this altar today. Thanks for watching Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries, where miracles happen. You can join us each week on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern for church service and on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Bible study. For upcoming events, teachings, and ways to contact us and more, you can visit us on the web at www.mtdm.org. You can also give a donation by clicking the Donation tab. God bless you, and we will see you next week.